Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. We are going to talk about change. And the interesting thing is the idea of talking about change is not a new idea. In fact, there's a guy named Heraclitus who lived 500 years before the time of Jesus and 500 years after the time of King Solomon, who said this, the only thing that is constant is change. Now, I bet you thought some modern guy said that. 500 years before the time of Jesus, Heraclitus said, the only constant is change. He's also the guy who said you can never step into the same river twice because, you know, the water goes down. And so if you step into the river, it's going to be different. He, he understood that life is about change, but he wasn't the guy that thought of that. It was, I mean, King Solomon actually talked about change 500 years before Heraclitus was on the scene. King Solomon, considered to be the wisest man who ever lived before Jesus, talked about change in his book that we call Ecclesiastes. And the reason that we're dealing with this topic of change today, it's the beginning of a new year. And what do people do at the beginning of a new year? They sit down and they think about what needs to change in my life. And so some of you maybe have already written some New Year's resolutions or even thought of some New Year's resolutions. And the other thing is, as a church family... We have been very intentional uh, about this process of change. I mean, a lot of changes have taken place in the last year of 2014, and now we're in a new year, and we're going to make some very specific and intentional changes as a church family that are going to help us to fulfill our mission, which is to share the new life of Jesus Christ with the world one person at a time more effectively than we've ever done it before. And so whether we call these plan changes resolutions or commitments or vows, most of us think about something in our life at this time of year that we want to change. And, and sometimes we sit down and we write a list, one, two, three, whatever, however many there are. Well, the University of Scranton right here in Pennsylvania did a study on New Year's resolutions last year. And uh, what they found out was there are 10, well, the 10 most common New Year's resolutions, and I would guess they're probably by Pennsylvanians, are these. Number one, lose weight. Anybody surprised by that one? Number two, get organized. Number three, Spend less, save more. Number four, enjoy life to the fullest. Number five, stay fit and healthy. Number six, learn something exciting. Number seven, quit smoking. Number eight, help others with their dreams. Number nine, fall in love. That's a resolution. Number 10, spend more time with family. So the recurring three areas of, of life where we see resolutions are the area of health, the area of wealth, and the area of relationships. Health, wealth, and relationships. At this time of year, many people sit down and decide that they're going to change. And so what happens is we buy fitness clothing, gym memberships, weight loss programs. We go out and purchase the latest wealth, and wealth management thing. Maybe we sit down and maybe we actually even pray for God to send us a, a wife or a husband in this new year of 2015. We, we're intentional about this. And what happens is the economy gets a little richer from all the clothing and the memberships and all that. But not very many people change. In fact, the University of Scranton study showed that only 8% of people actually keep their New Year's resolutions for the entire year. And the interesting thing is 38% of people don't even make resolutions. I actually had one of them, at least one of them, in worship last night because as she left, she said, I never make resolutions that way I can't break them. I guess that works for you. But, but the thing is, if you never make resolutions to change, then maybe you won't change. And the thing that was interesting about the study is this. 
those people who actually wrote down their resolutions, put some goals with them, objectives, they were 10 times more likely to be in that 8% that actually changed in the course of a year than those who didn't. So what does that have to do with us? Well, as individuals, what it has to do, it tells us that sitting down, and, and perhaps you could go home this afternoon if you haven't done it, but sit down and actually write down one or two or a couple of things that you're going to change. And, and I would encourage you to do that with, the, you know, the, if you're a follower of Jesus, with the influence of the Holy Spirit in your life. And as we do that, it will be more likely, 10 times more likely, according to the study, that we'll actually see some changes take place in our lives. Now, as a church family, what we're doing is, all we're doing right now is I'm going to tell you about some of the changes that we already sat down back in the fall and wrote down that we need to make as a church family in 2015 in order to be more effective in sharing the new life of Jesus Christ with people who don't know him and in helping people who do know him to grow up to be more and more like him. Well, today's take-home point is going to be for the people who don't like change. Uh, You know, a long time ago, Mark Twain said this, the only people who like change are babies who need their diapers changed, and even they aren't that sure about it. And, and it's probably true that most of us get sort of rooted and rutted in our habits and change doesn't seem to be, you know, all that enjoyable. But the take-home point, for those of you who are new, uh, the take-home point is the one point we want you to think about, grab onto, and go out and live out in the week ahead. It's simply this. All living things change. All living things change. So by definition, if you're not changing, what does that make you? Dead. Okay. So, we're going to talk about how we can change. Now, if you look around in the world, what's going on? Change, rapid change. I mean, things are changing so fast you can't keep up with it all. And everybody has a smartphone now, so when news happens, somebody takes a video of it, they post it on YouTube. And so, everything that happens, everybody knows about instantly. And all the change makes our heads spin. And so, some people say, I'm just going to unplug. And, And frankly, I think that's a good thing to do. Like once a week, maybe take a day and just unplug. Once a year, take a whole week off and just unplug. I go to Cuba every year on a mission trip. I love that week. You know why? My cell phone doesn't work in Cuba. So I leave it in, there, in, a, in the truck in Canada. Um, I, my computer works, but the internet doesn't. So, you know, no point taking my computer. And, and so what I have is a Bible. Sometimes I take my iPad to show pictures to the people because they like seeing my family and, and you all. But anyway, but, but I, what I do is I focus on telling people about Jesus all week. And helping people that are leaders to become better leaders. And it's for a whole week, and I don't have any distractions. Now, what am I saying? Don't, you know, unplug everything and don't... No, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is sometimes it's good to unplug so you can listen to the voice that really matters, the voice of God. And that's what I'm going to suggest we want to do right now in this time we're here this morning is, and probably throughout the, the year is to take those times when we need to unplug. Now... King Solomon wrote a book called Ecclesiastes, and in that book, he talked about the change that takes place in everybody's lives from birth to death, and he, it's a little poem, and there was another group back in the, I think it might have been even the 60s, um, that had it called Turn, 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 you know, every season there is, okay, well, we're going to read that passage. If you have your Bible, uh, an actual Bible that looks like this, you could open it up, and and if, if you go to the very middle, you'll come to Psalms. And after Psalms is Proverbs, then Ecclesiastes, chapter 3. And if you have your iPhone or whatever, you can just go Ecclesiastes and boom, there it is. Okay, so it's up on the screen too if you don't have a Bible or a phone. So, King Solomon, 
wisest man who ever lived next to Jesus, said this. For everything, there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to harvest, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to turn away, a time to search and a time to quit searching, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be quiet and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you so much for all your blessings to us. And as this new year begins, we pray that we'll consider King Solomon's perspective and realize that change is inevitable in our lives. And that we can either live into it and grow, or we can resist it and fail to grow. And God, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, you will speak into each of our lives, not only today, but throughout this coming year of 2015, or as long as your son Jesus tarries, the the words we need to hear, the truth that we need to understand, and the life that we need to live, so that we can help others who don't know Jesus know him, and so that we can become more and more like you. Every moment of every day. In Jesus' name, amen. So Solomon wrote, For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven. Now that seems rather obvious. That there is a a stated time for everything that we do. In fact, there are seasons in the year. In in fact, today, what is it? Out there, 55 degrees or something. And everybody's like, oh man, it's so nice out. And on Wednesday, it's going to be zero, I heard. And everybody's going to go, it's zero. Well, we're in western Pennsylvania. It's January, right? I mean, why would we be surprised that it's going to be zero in January in western Pennsylvania? Because that's the season it is. And then there will be spring and summer and fall. And, and the seasons change. And that's what change. That's what King Solomon says. And, and think about our own lives as individuals. We were born into this world as what? Babies. What could we do? We couldn't do anything. We couldn't talk. We couldn't walk. We couldn't feed ourselves. In fact, if a parent or, or, or caregiver hadn't taken care of us, we wouldn't even be here. We wouldn't even be alive. But then we grow if we're fed and nurtured. We grow into toddlers and then preschoolers and then elementary school and then middle school and high school. And, and our lives, as different as they are, they have these changes that are consistent. We go from baby, to, as long as we're nurtured and fed, we grow up. And then there's this divergence after high school. Some go into the military. Some go to college. Some go to vocational school. Some go right off to the to workforce. And, and frankly, some people waste their lives at that point. They start into drugs. They've been in drugs for a while. And, and, and they commit crimes. And, and their life goes down a certain path. But the, the bottom line of all of it is, when we're thinking about these kind of changes, the most important change of our life is a change to follow the path that leads to the life that's truly life. And, and the path isn't really a, 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 like a physical path. It's Jesus Christ. If we follow Jesus Christ, it will lead us to life here and now and forever. If we don't follow Jesus Christ, it doesn't really matter what path we follow. Because it will lead to a dead end. Literally a dead end. And the second thing that, uh, that King Solomon tells us about is that there's a time to be born and a time to die. And as we move into this 2015 year, what we find as a, as a church family, the elders and, and the staff, we've been thinking about this whole process. There's birth and then there's death. And then the, Jesus added something really, really important in between born again. 
There's being born, there's being born again, and there's dying. And if you're not born again after you're born, then you're going to die and you're going to be separated from God in hell forever. But if you're born again, and so our focus here at New Life is on people being born again. It's very important. And if, if you're born, and you're, everybody here has been born, and if you're going to die, and everybody here is going to die, unless Jesus comes back, which is my personal preference, but unless he does, we're all going to die one day. In between all of that, that's life. Between the birth and the death, that's life. And being born again assures us a new life. In fact, Jesus called it being born again because we have this spiritual birth in which we're babies again. And just like we have to grow up physically, we have to grow up spiritually, but not everybody does because we don't pursue that change. You see, if you feed a baby, the baby will grow into a toddler. If you feed a toddler and care for it, the, the toddler will grow into a, a preschooler. It's just going to naturally happen. But if you, don't, if you don't intentionally do something, if you don't intentionally encourage your spiritual growth. In fact, I just heard Ruth Ann Lott, it's Billy Graham's daughter, say this morning, most of us in America are starving spiritually because we're not doing the two things that feed us, reading the Bible and praying. It seems simple. But, I mean, if you don't get that nurture, that food, then we don't grow up. And so as we've been thinking about that, this whole time to be born and time to die and the born again thing, it's so crucial. In fact, some people have asked me many times, actually, people have asked me over the years, why is it that new life has such a focus on lost people? Why is it that you're not focusing more on the people that are already here? Why is it that you have such a focus on those who are you know, out there in Africa and all these other places and actually in Saxonburg who don't know Jesus more than us? And the short answer to why we um, share the new life of Jesus Christ with the world one person at a time as our mission is because the decisions we make now matter for eternity. The decisions that you and I are making today matter for eternity. What we do or what we don't do is going to determine where we spend eternity, but also it will determine where other people spend eternity too by whether we have that conversation with that family member that just says there's no God. And you, know, and you don't want to have that conversation because you don't want to have any conversation with that one. But if we don't, and nobody else does, then that person is destined for the path of darkness, death, destruction. And so here at New Life, we have always, from day one, 13 and a half years ago, said our goal is to share the new life of Jesus Christ with the world, one person at a time. We're going to find them here, there, and everywhere, and we're going to go out and do that. And we are doing that. It's, it's being done. And it's a tough job, and, and, and some people think it's easy. It isn't easy. It's really hard, but we have to be so intentional about it. And, and in fact, one of the things that we're going to do this year, and it comes under this time for planting and time for harvesting thing, it says, you know, when Solomon said there's a time to plant and time to harvest, he was talking about physical little seeds. You plant them in the ground, they grow, then you harvest them. You know, there's a time to plant, there's a time to harvest. But you can think of that spiritually too. We have been planting seeds all over the world for the last 13 and a half years as a local church family, and some of them have sprouted and some of them are growing. And so what we need to do now, because since many of you over this 13 and a half years came in here and didn't know Jesus, but now you do, some are babies and some are toddlers and some are preschoolers, middle schoolers, high schoolers, adults, spiritually, what about you? What about all of you who are already on the path and you're growing? What, what can we do to help you? And this is a very specific answer. Starting in the end of January, January the 25th to be precise, we're launching our free market life group system. Free market simply means that not doing it like we used to do it. In the past, our life groups have been in the fall and the spring, more or less. 
And the way we've done that is we have six or eight weeks where we have a sermon series and then you um, do your life group based on that. Well, free market means you can choose anything you want so long as it's on an approved list or, since, or if you actually, it's at the end of the day, you bring it to the small group coordinator who happens to be my hat right now. And, and for example, Beth Moore. You can do a Beth Moore study. Don't even have to ask me, okay? Uh, what about Rick Warren? Anything Rick Warren does, you can do it. Don't even have to ask. Craig Groeschel, great guy. Okay, now here's the thing. Free market means, well, what if I want to have a jogging group, Pastor Chris? We're going to get together. We're going to go out and jog. We're going to pray first. We're going to read a Bible passage. What about that? Well, fine, go ahead and have a jogging group. I'm not going to join it, but you can, you can have it. <laughs> However, in order to have any group, you only have to do one thing. Well, two. The one thing is you have to come to a small group leader training on either January the 14th or 21st. Remember I said we get these out. Please, I'm serious. Get this out. Very bottom it says, attend the life group leader training, circle one, the 14th or the 21st. Circle one, put that in the offering later. Does that mean you have to lead a group? No. That means if you want to lead a group, you need to be in one of those meetings because you can't lead a group unless you've been trained. And then there's going to be a commitment that you're going to sign, you know, obviously, that you're going to teach the truth of Jesus and the love of Jesus. And you're not going to, you know, teach some heresy kind of thing. And that you'll use the approved list and that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of details. And some of you know that I'm not a detail person. Um, my wife knows it most of all. In fact, before I came in here this morning, I had to go to the bathroom, so I had to go out and ask her if I looked okay. Because I always get my belt bunched up, you know. That's how little of a detail guy I am at the age of 57. Because, I, I, you know, I don't want to come up here and look like, I don't know, Pee Wee Herman or something. So anyway, the bottom line is, the bottom line is, I'm not a detail guy. In fact, you'll know that when you look at January 14th and 21st is when you're being trained, and we're starting January 25th. Nancy said, how are we going to let everybody know? <sighs> Brad will figure that out, or else Barry will figure that out. <laughs> we'll get it done. You know, this time we'll get her done. The next time we'll have it a little bit more organized. I mean, I've only known about this since, like, last year in June. But we're going to get it figured out. That's why we hired Barry, by, by the way, is because I, I, I have great ideas. I, I, I mean, God gives me great ideas, but I just don't always know how the details fit. Okay, so anyway... We're going to be doing these uh, three seasons of the year. Spring. Now, I know it's a little bit euphemistic to call January 25th spring, but that's the spring session. Eight to 14 weeks, okay? Then summer will be shorter, six to eight weeks. And then fall, eight to 14 weeks. And once again, there will be leader training opportunities throughout the year. You can become a leader, and then you can have a life group. Next thing. Uh, these are rather extreme statements that King Solomon makes. He says, there's a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones. Now, again, he was being literal here. He's the king of a country, and this country is expanding, and so if you're going to expand and the next nation doesn't want you to expand, you kill the people there. And I know that doesn't sound pleasant. It isn't pleasant. And what do you do? You tear down their buildings, and in those days you scattered stones in their fields so crops wouldn't grow. Now, why would King Solomon say there's time for that kind of stuff? Well, there's also time for, what, healing and building up and, and gathering the stones together. Because he was, he was the king of Israel, which was God's chosen people. And God wanted the people of Israel to expand so that the, the God of the universe could be in charge of those nations. And uh, 
let's again think of this in a spiritual sense. There are habits that all of us have that we need to kill in our lives. There are habits that we need to tear down in our lives. And there are habits that just need to be scattered away. Because one thing I know, you know they say that nature abhors a vacuum, so does our heart. It abhors a vacuum. And what will happen is our heart will fill up with something. It will either fill up with the things of God or it will fill up with the things of the world. And so what we need to do individually here in 2015 is to change the things in our lives, the habits in our lives that are not glorifying God, whatever they might be. Some are sin and some are just waste of time. And then we need to heal. Some parts of us need to heal. Some parts of us need to be built up. And, and while we're talking about building up, there's the literal building up that we want to do in 2015 of building the Children's Nurture Center and Gymnasium. And I just want to tell you, there was a lot of money came in year end, and we're not where we need to be to be able to build that building. But if can, things continue in the direction they have been, it's, it's reasonable to hope that by the end of this year, we'll be building the building. Um, where children will have not just this little nursery that we have now, but an expanded nursery where there won't just be two little classrooms, but there'll be multiple classrooms where there'll be a full-size gymnasium where the youth ministry can expand and grow because it's really outgrowing this room. And we'll be able to fulfill our next generation focus here at New Life, which we've had for a long time, which is to, to help children and young people to grow up to know the truth and love of Jesus in practical, real ways and become followers of him. And so I want to thank you for your participation in that and your continued participation in that. If you're new, all I'm talking about is what you would call a building program. For 14 months, we've been accumulating money for two purposes, to, to pay, there's some debt on this building, to pay down the debt on this building and accumulate money to build the next building, um, which is a children's nurture center and gymnasium. So that's a, a part of the building thing. Now, it says here there's a time to cry and a time to laugh. A time to grieve and a time to dance, a time to embrace and a time to turn away. King Solomon recognized something. Not every day is a happy day. Some days are sad days and some days are happy days. Sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad. And so what we realize as a church here at New Life is the church is getting bigger and bigger and bigger and it's going to keep getting bigger. And some of you saying, oh man, I don't like a big church. Everybody doesn't know everybody. I want everybody to know everybody. Guess what? God doesn't care if everybody knows everybody in your church. He cares if everybody knows Jesus. That's what God cares about, if everybody knows Jesus. Now, here's what God does care about. God cares about that all of us are known by somebody. God cares that all of us are known by name by somebody. And so we're going to do two things specifically this year. One of them I've already mentioned, which is the life group. Because if you're in a life group for 14 weeks, you're going to get to know people in a way that you can't get to know them in this setting that you can't get to know them with hundreds of people around. You're going to be in a group of 6 or 8 or 10 or 12 or 14 people, and if you're missing, they're going to know it, and they're going to care. But we're going to do something else brand new this year, and that's the Stephen ministry that Pastor Jane, our, our care pastor, is heading up, and she's already gathering people who are willing to be Stephen ministers. And what do they do? Well, they come alongside people in the sad times, in the times of grief and loss and hurt and sickness. And... Uh, when I say they, I mean you. Some of you are going to take this training. And it's long. It's going to take until the summertime before we're ready. But we're going to be equipped in ways that we've never been equipped to help one another. And it's so important that we understand the church is going to grow larger if we're faithful. Because healthy things do what? Grow. 
Grow brings, growth brings change. Things are going to change at new life. And, you know, I mean, I don't know everybody anymore. It's been a while that, since I've known everybody. And some of you are probably frustrated with me because it used to be in one week, if you came back the next week, I knew who you were. Now, some of you have been coming for weeks, and I don't know your name yet. I'm sorry. But Jesus knows your name, and I care about you, and we all care that Jesus Christ is lifted up and glorified. And if you'll get involved in a life group or if you become a Stephen minister and somebody has a need, those vehicles are going to make it possible for all of us to be known, not just by Jesus, but by each other in a way that's meaningful and purposeful. There are churches with 50 people where nobody knows anybody. They know everybody's name. And there are churches with 50,000 people where everybody's known by somebody. And, and that's the goal of New Life. I'm not to be 50,000 because I don't think we got that many people that we can hope for that. But however many people that come to know Jesus through New Life's ministry, that every single one of you and, and me will be known and care about. And, and, you know, I want to say one more thing about this happy, sad stuff, because a lot of times when we're hurting, people will find out and will come alongside of us. But what, a lot of times what we don't do well is celebrate with each other. You know, you get, a, you get you know, a, a promotion at work, and nobody knows it, or if they do, they're like, oh, man, I, was, I wanted to get that promotion. And one of the hardest things for me as pastor of New Life is who do I tell? Who do I tell what's going on here? I mean, it's incredible what God is doing in, the, in this place. And so I go to a pastor's group, and if I say, man, you should see what God's doing. Like 55 kids got saved at the youth meeting. You should see. We planted four churches. There's, there are 845 people at Christmas Eve. They're like, oh, I'm bragging. No, I'm just happy. I want to tell somebody. Whenever you have good news, don't you want to tell somebody? So I'm going to have to get in a small group so I can tell people, you know, about what good's going on. Okay, so. The last thing, the very last thing that King Solomon said, two pairs of opposites. These are serious pairs of opposites. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. This is what you need to know, folks. We are in a war. We are in a spiritual war. There's two things you need to know about the war. Number one is we already won. We have already won the war. Jesus Christ died on the cross, rose again, went back to heaven, sent the Holy Spirit. We already won the war. The second thing, that's right, and the second thing that you need to know is it's still going on. The battles are still going on because the devil isn't ultimately, finally defeated. And, and some people in America, a lot of people in America actually think the devil is a joke. The devil is not a joke. The devil's a fallen angel. One of the three most powerful angels God ever created. And his only desire is to take us away from God. His only desire is to isolate us so that we won't experience the joy that God has for us. That we won't experience the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And the thing is, the world out there today is doing a really good job of working for the devil without even admitting that he exists. So, what do we do? It's simple. It's always been simple. Not easy, but simple. All we have to do, all we have to do is put Jesus first. Put Jesus first in our life. If you've never done that, today would be the best day ever to do that. Trust him as Savior and Lord, and then let him live in and through us. Because the Apostle Paul reminded us in Galatians chapter 5 that the spirit and the flesh, which are in my life, the spirit of God is, is living because I know Jesus, and the flesh, which is my, my physical me, and my old nature is still there. There's this battle going on. You can read about it in Galatians chapter 5. And it says, in this life, we're never free from the struggle. But 
we can have victory. And all we have to do, all we have to do, is let Jesus Christ be in charge. And as we sit down and write down the changes, in fact, what I'm going to ask you to do right now is I'm going to ask you to open up this connection to this page. Some of you have already been taking notes. You know, some of you take notes every week, and some of you wouldn't take notes if Jesus commanded it, right? But what I want you to do right now is I want you to write down one thing, just one, that God needs to change in your life this week, this year. It might be this week, yeah, this week, this year. One thing that you need to subtract from your life, one thing that you need to add, that you know without even having to think about it, that God wants to change in your life. And write it down, because if you write it down, you're ten times more likely to do something about it than if you don't. And if we're in a war, we need to understand that we're in a war and we need to engage. And I'm excited. I'm, I, I, I said at the last service, I'm both excited and enthusiastic about what God's doing around here. Excited means um, ecstasis. comes out of body, really. That's what excitement's about. And then enthusiasm is from God. It comes from the inside. I'm enthused because of what God is doing in us. And I'm excited to see what God is doing through us. And, and I'm excited about 2015 because we have more soldiers than we've ever had before to fight this battle. We have more leaders than we've ever had before. In the last 16 months, we've been able to double the size of our staff. And what that means is we're able to do things we never could do before. And especially, we're able to equip people like Pastor Jane leading the Stephen ministry. We've been, that's been on the books since 2001. And we're finally going to do it this year because we have somebody who can actually attend to it and do it. Pastor Barry being on staff, the executive pastor, is going to free up so many of us to do things like ministering to, to children and young people and, and adults. And Growth Track. I want to give a little plug for Growth Track. 101, 201, 301, 401. In the past, what did we have? We had Class 101. It was three and a half, four hours long. You got to listen to me talk for that long. And I enjoyed it, and some of you did, about three or four of you, every class. The rest of you didn't enjoy it so much. But now, class 101 tells you about Jesus and membership. Class 201, discipleship principles and habits that will make you grow as a follower of Jesus. 301, this is the favorite one so far in the, of the four, is spiritual gifts and abilities. What God has gifted you to do for your family, in your workplace, in your school, out in the community, in the world, and, and here through New Life. And then 401 are all the ways that you can volunteer to minister here locally, regionally, nationally, and to the ends of the earth. So, as we go into this year of 2015, the devil better watch out in Saxonburg. And, and I'm not joking. I'm very serious. You know, it might seem like a grandiose scheme here that we've been talking about this morning. This war that's going on that we're winning. Because if you look outside, it doesn't look like we're winning. We won. We already won. And Paul said, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And I believe that. And I know many, many, many of you believe that as well. So here's the commitment for today. And it's not just for today. It's for the whole year. And the commitment goes like this. I will live into the changes God has for me in 2015 by letting the Holy Spirit change and empower me. I will live into the changes God has for me in 2015 by letting the Holy Spirit change and empower me. Would you say that out loud with me? I will live into the changes God has for me in 2015 by letting the Holy Spirit change and empower me. If we want to change, that's a big if. If we want to change in the year of 2015, all that we have to do, all we have to do is let Jesus be in charge of our life. Let Him 
take over control more fully than he ever has before. Now, maybe we're a baby, maybe we're a toddler, maybe we're a preschooler. I don't know where we are on the spectrum. But I do know this. Wherever we are on the spectrum, there's more growth that can happen. There's more change that can take place that can make us more and more like Jesus. And that's what I'm praying for every single day. I'm praying that each of us and all of us together will embrace Jesus and the changes that he has for us so that our lives can influence thousands of lives in the year ahead. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for all that you are and all that you do, and we thank you that you saw us the way we were, but didn't leave us that way. We thank you that you sent Jesus to come in, our, in the midst of our muck and mire and clean us up. And not just a little bit, but you took us from being dead in sin to making us alive in the power of your spirit. And I pray today, God, that you would pour your spirit out in a new way in this people that we might glorify you, that we might share your love and your truth and your life in our families, in our schools, in our workplaces, in this community, in our region, our nation to the ends of the earth. God, we pray that in the year of 2015, we will see more people come to know Jesus than we have seen yet in the history of new life. And that you will receive all the glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen.